0: Welcome, amazing listeners. On this episode coming up, I have a phenomenal guest um, that I'll tell you a little bit about, obviously, when I get into it. But what I wanted to let you know is that this is going to be a two-parter. So the first part is going to be me interviewing her. And then I'm going to release the episode probably Thursday of this week. And what that'll be, that'll be more of a Q&A because she wanted to ask me some questions around uh, the Enneagram and the Enneagram One. All right, so here we go. Welcome to Do It For The Gram, and Enneagram podcast, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. Today, we continue our series, In Your Skin, with an amazing Enneagram One. I'm bursting with excitement. I have the one, the only, Kat Gordon, the founder and CEO of one of the most amazing, tastiest places on the planet, Muddy's Bake Shop. We're actually there now. Kat, can you please introduce yourself and Muddy's?
1: Sure. I'm Kat Gordon. Um, As you said, I'm the founder, CEO, uh, chief cake taster, pie baker extraordinaire Mm. here at Muddy's Bake Shop. Um, We are a small bakery in Memphis, Tennessee. We have two retail locations and a kitchen and specialize in freshly baked home-style treats. So just like your grandma made or you wish your grandma made. And that's our specialty.
0: Yes, I love my grandma, but I wish she made them as good as Muddy's does. Um, before we really dive in, I want to let listeners know how this all happened. Uh, while I was at my day job uh, working in an elementary school, a co-worker said to me, uh, have you read the Choose Not On One article about the founder of Muddy's? And I said, no, I have not. He said it includes her Enneagram number. So immediately I was excited. Um, I perked up and I said, oh my goodness, I have to have her on the podcast and so i reached out and uh, amazingly enough thank you so much for wanting to be on the podcast i'm super excited right now
1: thanks i'm really excited to be here and as we were talking earlier um just i'm excited to learn from you as well because i don't know that much about the enneagram i've Mm -hmm. taken the test and done a little bit of exploration there so hoping to pick your brain a little bit as well
0: please yes 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 i think something that was amazing when i was coming in um you were, um, fixing, what, what's that wall called? Kind of. <laughs> Our
1: community bulletin board. The community yes.
0: bulletin board. So this was like a, this is a one thing already before we even start. Oh I,
1: I'm like imagining the visuals right, cause, right now.
0: Cause <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even know. I haven't even met Kat before. This is like the very first time we're in here together. And I look over and I was like, I think that's Kat, but I'm not sure. But way I noticed. She was like organizing everything on the community board, and like she was really picking the different things. And, like, oh, that's probably not longer. It already happened, so I'm gonna take that off. But she was not only moving things; she was organizing them in a beautiful way. And I was like, okay, that's probably Cat. That is probably Cat. She's Enneagram One. That's probably her. I'll introduce myself. So yeah, that is that was a small thing I kind of noticed, but it's it's great. It's great. So it's
1: living it.
0: <laughs> So, my Enneagram teacher, who taught me and certified me, Ginger Lapid Bagda, she says that the Enneagram finds you. You don't find it. So, how did the Enneagram find you?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think now. I feel like I've had so many people the last couple of years that I love and respect. I've got a coworker at the East Memphis shop that is really into it. I know she and I have talked about it. Um, My cousin-in-law, Abby... But I'm pretty sure that the first uh, kind of, oh, I need to learn more about this introduction to the Enneagram, I think it was through Father Richard Rohr. Oh. So I listened to his homilies and read his books. I'm a very big Richard Rohr fan. Um, And I think it was through him, and he wrote the introduction to an Enneagram book. Yes. Um, Yeah, I think that was the first time I heard about it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has a bunch of books. He is amazing yes like, like I kind
1: of want to be his best friend sure, if you're listening I want to be your best friend we could like read books and snuggle or something I don't know seriously <laughs> seriously like it's
0: oh my goodness that's awesome so when you when Enneagram found you how did it impact your life
1: I had that feeling when I first took the test um I took it and it was like one of the really legit ones mm-hmm. it took a long time lots of questions pretty thorough results um, and I took it at probably like one or two in the morning. You know, I'd heard about oh, it, right. I'd read about it, but I hadn't really followed up. And I'm not sure what drove me to do that at the middle of the night. <laughs> um, but as I'm remembering it, I kind of feel like maybe my husband was out of town and I have this habit. I've always had a, ha- had a habit of kind of being a night owl and mm-hmm. chewing on things like right. late into the night. Um, and, you know, kind of worrying over things or sometimes I'll hit my real genius in the middle of the night, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of working through that in the peace and quiet, but whatever was going on that night, I definitely couldn't sleep. And I was sort of pinging around, um, you know, probably a little bit of anxiety Mm, over something. I don't remember what, but over something and somehow I just remembered and through that sort of you know, rabbit hole of like one thing leads to another thing. I found myself in the middle of the night taking the (laughs) (laughs) test. And then, you know, read, read about my type and, you know, was delighted and horrified and was kind of like, huh, it makes sense that I'm the kind of person who's up doing this at one in the morning.
0: Right.
1: Um, and then, yeah, I think the more I've kind of learned about it and leaned into it a little bit, it's just been really eye opening to sort of see how, how that plays out. But then also, you know, as a manager right? and you know, I have 50 people on my team and they're really, you know, really diverse people and creative people. And it's so helpful for me. I think with, um, the more I learn about the Enneagram to really remember how much, you know, each of us are here for a different reason. And right. Each of us are doing what we're doing for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, And sometimes it looks the same on the surface, but a lot of the time, it's different underneath. And that's been really helpful for me uh, as a manager and a leader, not Mm -hmm. just personally. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. And I think it's, I think it's super amazing that you're Enneagram One and like you own. like a bakery, like a place where like details are important Yes. <laughs> um, from not only like what goes into the ingredients to behind the scenes, but also to the um, presentation and also to how you communicate to customers and everything that you do. So I think that's absolutely amazing. Like those detail things are super important and I love that it's a blend of it that you're managing.
1: Thanks. And I feel like it's like a one within a one. I mean, even our, you know, we were talking today at our uh, manager meeting about differentiation and, you know, how do we train staff on, you know, how are we different than competitors and like not using words like, you know, good and bad, but Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. something, somebody can be doing something different than us and it doesn't make it good or bad, but then our own product, the attention to detail and that actually part of our brand is the home style. Right. So it's like, you have to be really good at those details in order to do casual on purpose Right. You know, so the, okay. the inconsistencies, mm-hmm. the, the craftsmanship, you know, everything is made by hand, by individuals. So like, we don't want everything to look identical. Right. And how do you kind of nail that place of, you know, it needs to look unique and imperfect, but perfectly imperfect.
0: Wow. Mm. And that
1: takes some effort. And it's like, wow. i think of today, I'm like, oh man, like that is a one within a one within a one. Yes. Oh my God. That probably drives some people crazy.
0: <laughs> and it's some pretty people. great. <laughs> but i think that's what makes money so amazing at the same time does your workplace stink because the culture sucks are you tired of tolerating people and wish you could all work together cohesively does the mere idea of going into work give you anxiety if you said yes to any one of these you should probably quit your job but since you're not going to quit your job you should contact kaizen careers at kaizen careers we are all about improving workplace performance we use a unique tool called the Enneagram. The Enneagram helps individuals and organizations become more self-aware. That self-awareness lends into helping organizations with communication, conflict management, and leadership development, ultimately turning self-awareness into self-mastery and creating healthy workplace cultures so you can improve your services and bottom lines. Contact Kaizen Careers at kaizencareer com or Milton at kaizencareers.com or give us a call at 901-334-1644. So you use so many words that like ones typically would use. <laughs> um, I love though, I love it though because it's... Um, I would say it's on the path to definitely like growth where you talked about not referring to things as good and bad because sometimes ones can get stuck in um, the thought of either right and wrong, good and bad, black and white type of deal where it's not, where there's there's gray and there's, like you said, difference or differentiation, which I think is amazing because um, for you to say that that's huge from coming from the manager who's a one, that's huge. So that means that you've done some personal inner work, to understand yeah. it, and then you say perfectly imperfect too. So that's like, because a lot of times ones want perfection, you know, like right. it's it's a it's the ideal thought of perfection, um, and so it's cool that in the imperfection to be perfect, it just like this beautiful little blend here.
1: Oh yeah, and I'm sure sometimes aggravating where it's like I'm what? sorry, this needs to be a little more imperfect, <laughs> but like in this in this very specific way, or like. This is imperfect and not in the good way. Right. Like we got we to gotta tighten this up, but not too tight.
0: <laughs> I love it's it. Fun. I love it. And this is another one thing that I saw, too. So I was reading an article and I pulled this part out. It says, Muddy's mission was then developed through her own, their mission states, to make Memphis a happier place by creating outstanding experiences and delicious food, being kind to everyone we meet, and doing the right thing. So that last part, I was like, "Ooh, ooh, doing the right thing," because it's so important to you. Tell me why, yeah. and tell me how, mm-hmm. like inside, doing the right thing. Why that's so important to like our community, to
1: you? That is a big question. I know. Um, <laughs> I think because that's, I mean, that's the whole ball game. Like if you're if you're doing the wrong thing for the right reasons, mm-hmm. then it still is the wrong thing. And on the other side, it's like if you're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. So it's why we have both a mission and a set of guiding values. Okay. Because it is important what we do. It's also important how we do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm very aware. I've always been a little self-conscious about uh, the verbiage of that in our mission because I think it could so easily be misunderstood. Right. Or sound, you know, like, well, who are you to say what's the right, right. thing or yeah. what isn't? Yeah. But you know, I kind of like, well, well. It's my business, so we can say we don't have to say that it's what's right for us is what's right for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we should be consistent if we have said that something is right, you know, in our organization, in how we're going to do something. Then we also need to be willing to stand by it and wow. be upfront about it. And I think that that's the kind of thing that shows up. Uh, take something super mundane mm-hmm. in the business world, but is it you know a possibly everyday occurrence? You know, think about the last time you tried to return something or, mm. you know, give feedback to a store that you've visited because let's face it, not everybody gets it right all the time. True. Like everyone makes mistakes. Mm. You know, it'd be so easy to have, um, to get into a legalistic battle with your customer about, right. you know, well, did you store it correctly? You know, you missed, you misunderstood what the serving instructions were or, you know, didn't read the menu. Like, oh, it says right here, you know, this is what right. you ordered and here's right. the thing that that is. And that is, might be right in the sense of yes factually that is mm-hmm. what happened the customer made a mistake but i think by saying something like doing the right thing wow. inherently if we've done a good job hiring and training and really filling our place with both customers and staff mm-hmm. that have um have the desire to buy into a mission like making that that's a happier place right then inevitably the right thing is going to feel like, well, you do what's in the best interest of the customer mm-hmm. and having something where it's like, yeah, we're not going to have a whole huge, you know, the return policy is, Hey, employee, use your best judgment right. to do what the customer needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great example of doing the right thing. Like that might not seem super sexy in the moment, right. but it's really <laughs> important and helps us from like. Over correcting or over standardizing, like, okay, well, how exactly do you solve this problem?
0: Yeah, well,
1: do the right thing. What do you think that is? You're probably right,
0: yeah. And so, I think that reminds me of, and I'm probably gonna mess up this phrase, but it's doing the right thing over doing what's right. I think mm. you know, and I think, I, and I think what they mean is like what you exactly are saying is, and that's tricky. It's like you're not doing the wrong thing, but it's like sometimes what you were saying, oh. Looking here, this guideline says that you shouldn't do X, Y, Z. That's our
1: policy. Right. And, and like, so no. that's not the
0: right thing if you want them to return as a customer or just for them in that relationship. Right. And so um, doing that, I think has been like a huge thing. I think that's super important.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's inviting ourselves to wade into that gray mm-hmm. area that yeah. involves using best judgment and like maybe isn't going to be the same. Right. You know, so you, the customer... You know, depending on who you get, you actually might, because there's not a standard, mm-hmm. it is going to be a little bit depending on, well, s- somebody might solve the problem differently than somebody else. But right. What you can believe is that they're all going to do their best to solve that problem right. for you mm-hmm. uh, rather than just kind of like, well, it says in the book that here's the only thing I can offer you, <laughs> um, yeah. which, you know, at the end of the day, just isn't that helpful. One of the things we actually ask in our job description or in our um, interviews mm-hmm. For our customer service staff, we ask the question and like, man, it's some people are like deer in headlights. Like, wait, what? Is this a trick? Is it a trap? We ask, you know, have you ever uh, bent or broken a rule mm. to get the customer what they need? And I and think... Like, yeah. I think... Uh, so, what's the right thing? <laughs> yeah, so So,
0: what's so... I think a deer in the headlights too, because if they've applied to other jobs, I remember I applied to Best Buy and one of my mentors said, just be completely honest. That's the thing to do. Those... Tests, those online tests that you take will kick your application straight out. I'm like, well, this is the truth and that's not what they want, which is a whole nother problem in itself. But I think that's right. great.
1: It's taken out the human judgment piece right. because it's just what's correct, correct, right, mm-hmm. etc. It has a very black and white definition yep. versus like if you sat down with a real person, the answer you gave probably actually mm-hmm. would have been yeah. that real person could use their good judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. Customer focused guy. We're right. to get him in here. Okay.
0: Oh, good. A lot of one words going around here. That's good. No, it's good. No, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's good. Um. So, have you, when you read about the one, did you read about the inner critic? Oh
1: my gosh! Can you I tell already, me? Okay, my gosh. inner critic has a name.
0: Oh, tell me about it. That's
1: probably really unhealthy. That I've like. A lot no, of no, of I, don't, I don't <laughs> think it is. I, I
0: think it's good that you have a name to your inner critic as a one. Mm-hmm. And anyone's listener, I think it's super important to have a name. Um, I know one of the clients I work with, I had my client actually draw their uh, inner critic. Really? Um, yes. Uh, and it was powerful to see um, what his inner critic looked like. Wow. Because it helped me to understand what's kind of going on inside. And so for you to name it is really good because when you name it, you gain a little bit more control, a little bit more power over it so you it doesn't... keep
1: her in the passenger right. side.
0: exactly. So it's like, mm, you're not driving this car. Stay over
1: there, Brenda. <laughs> Brenda, you're in the car, yeah, but you're not yeah. driving.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about, is it Brenda?
1: Oh, they're not Brenda. Yeah, when Brenda. I read about the inner critic, I mean, that was the thing. I was like, oh, I know that this is describing Brenda, like right. my pal Brenda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has me my whole life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's fascinating to think about. I'm trying to think what would happen if I drew Brenda... My overactive imagination right now is envisioning, like, a horror movie style. Like, Mm. oh, my God, if I draw her, she'll start, like, crawling off of the page and be Mm. real. Right. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think that inner critic... Brenda is sometimes super helpful. Okay. Um, I think it's just that when... It's when she's in the passenger seat or in the back of the car Mm -hmm. as an occasional voice. Right. um, She probably does have some nice things to say. Mm-hmm. She just frequently doesn't say it in a very nice way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have really had to learn that if I let her take the wheel, mm-hmm. things go off the rails very quickly. Mm. Um, I feel like Brenda is usually right. She's just much more narrower, right. much more narrower. That's terrible English. And she's, she has a narrower focus. Mm-hmm. So she may be right about the specific mm. and the small picture, but she's not taking in the bigger picture. Um, she's not as forgiving or compassionate, you know, of me or honestly others. I feel Mm. like it's that same, the inner critic is much the same voice, um, that's pointing out flaws in others as Mm. well. Um, so it's just like, I think it's like the customer example, you know, in some ways she might be accurate, but not helpful.
0: Wow. No, that's good. That's really good. So, yeah.
1: um, that reading about the inner critic was really helpful to kind of, you know, flesh out a little bit of what is probably going on right. with that voice. It was yeah. very helpful.
0: Yeah. I have so much, like when I learned about the one in the, inner, in the inner critic, I have so much compassion and empathy for ones now that I know that happens because um, I've seen ones where they're not healthy. And um it's it can be tough. It can it can be tough to be around. Um, and I, and I've seen that. But now that I understand how ones uh, more or less operate on the inside, the inner critic, I have so much more empathy and respect now because the, the measure in which you hold yourself is so high. There's always mm-hmm. something. Always something. You know. Um, and so I just have so much like empathy and love for ones because now that I have a better understanding of what yeah. happens inside. Hopefully you have found some value in this podcast episode. You can help to keep this podcast going by supporting us on Patreon.com. Patreon.com is a site where you can support content providers. Podcasts are free to listeners, but not free for creators. It actually costs money and definitely time to produce consistent and weekly podcasts. I podcast because I want to reach people and change our community through the Enneagram. If you want to help in that by supporting me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram. That dot com forward slash do it for the gram. So what has helped you to manage uh, your inner critic, Brenda? What has helped you kind of manage or be like, okay, Brenda, you're good in the side and the back, not the driver's seat.
1: Um, I think, again, sort of in my role as a business owner and a manager, remembering that other people can hear her. Mm. I don't mean literally, I'm not talking about (laughs) something crazy, but recognizing that when Brenda's voice is really loud to me and in my head, that is inevitably coming out in ways that other people can experience her. So if I've let her take the wheel, I'm actually going to be a little more short tempered with other people There will, even if I'm saying all the right things, there's probably going to be a tone or a tension that is either in my body language or in my voice or in my facial expression. You know, I'm probably making what my brother calls the badger face (laughs) a little more often. And it's because I'm probably like using up some of my energy to to Mm. combat Brenda and like deal with that. But recognizing that the people around me might actually misinterpret that as I'm irritated with them. Mm. and with their performance. Yes. And so really thinking about that inner critic is something that, okay, that's not just the battle that is happening inside and internal. People can see signals of that. And people are looking, you know, and when you have employees or really anyone who, depending on the role that you occupy, so, you know, as a teacher, you have role power, you know, Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, no, no, Milton's super great guy. Oh, also my teacher. It's like, no, oh, no. this is my teacher. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Great.
1: Recognizing that for them and their story, what you're doing is filtered through their experience. And so, of course, for all of us, like whatever's happening is all about us. Right. And that was a really big aha. It's like, okay, it is important for me to deal with and learn to live comfortably with Brenda, but right. also not let that battle leak out so if i feel like it's starting to get a little bit loud or a little bit out of control that it's not selfish for me to spend a little time working with that because it's going to save me from from some cleanup Mm -hmm. later damage control that i care Mm -hmm. about right (laughs) yeah that
0: that was powerful like that was that was so good to hear one say that (laughs) that was powerful seriously and so i want to stay here in the inner critic a little bit because i know a lot of ones like listen and they are, you know, struggling, battling, working with, you know, everything with their inner critic. So part of your story I read um, as an entrepreneur, you had like a a rough start. Some things happen,
1: Haven't we all? Right.
0: (laughs) And so um, can you connect? Can you remember... Um, what the inner critic did for you at that point, because you also said it was helpful at times. it can be helpful, you know, because it can be accurate. It can point out things like, ooh, mm-hmm. something needs to be fixed, something needs to be right. You know, it's not com- like just something bad. It's like it can be very helpful and accurate and help you. So um, in those time when you were really like starting the business, yeah. um, how did the inner critic help?
1: The inner critic has never allowed my ego too much space okay. in the room. Um, which I think is as again, as a manager and a business owner, maybe the best role that the inner critic might play because starting the business, but also continuing the business, it's really tough. You know, you can't expect the people that are getting their paycheck from you to always give you unfiltered feedback. Right. Um, you know, I like to think that we've done a really good job of ask, you know, asking for feedback and modeling that and teaching how to do that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm blessed with coworkers. I mean, from the very beginning mm-hmm. who would tell me some things that I needed to hear, not just what I wanted to hear, Right. but at the same time, it would be total folly to think that they're giving me the full
0: unfiltered
1: mm-hmm. version of that because at the end of the day, I'm their boss. Right. And what the inner critic has done is allowed me, to not just always think like, oh, I'm not hearing uh, too much criticism from my team. I must be doing a really amazing job. Or like, oh, everyone that works for me laughs at my jokes. I'm obviously hilarious. (laughs) Like, and you know, that happens. And we've even, I mean, I think it's parodied even on some TV shows. I mean, people in a position of any power, even at like a small little bakery, it would be so easy for us to think that like, confuse the power that we have that's associated with our role right. with actually doing a great job all mm-hmm. the time. Okay. So the inner critic is a fantastic foil to the inherent ego that can come with running a business, um, mm-hmm. and somewhat successfully. I think specifically when you asked about the very beginning, mm-hmm. I don't know how helpful okay. she was really early on. Um, other than simply reminding me what I already knew, which was that I had no professional experience or educational experience mm-hmm. that would indicate that I would be good at this. Right.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and but that wasn't a secret. um mm. That was you know like oh an English lit slash art history major. Failed real estate agent. Like, yeah, obviously, go start a business. But, I mean, no, that doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't make sense when you say it out loud. Um, so yeah, I'm not totally sure what the inner critic had to offer that early, but she was definitely still, still there. Still there. Mm. Still
0: there. Reminded Always you. Always mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so when um, what? Before we get to that, I have another question, but I have so many. So what is, um, what would you say the best part about being an Enneagram one from the knowledge you have of it? I
1: think that maybe the best part. It's so, I mean, isn't it just everything where it's like the best and the worst are actually the same? Yes. But I think that the best part is I love to learn. I really love learning new things. Right. And I wasn't always the best in school. But I think the aspect of the one that is constantly seeking better and wanting to do better, like, and not just make everybody else do better, but actually do better and right. be better, uh, I think I connect that really strongly with that love of learning. You know, I think that part of the reason I love discovering new books Mm -hmm. and learning new things is that I am driven to be better, to be a better person and a better manager and, you know, just do better with whatever it is I'm doing. Um, and yeah, I think that's one of my favorite parts about myself is that I really love learning. And I think those two are just inherently connected. Mm -hmm. Um, specifically as a business owner, I really think that the one is so mission driven. Yeah. And not, not the same as goal driven.
0: Mm. Yeah, because they're different. Break it down, yes.
1: Um, and I certainly, I mean, I, I love achieving a good goal and I love it when a plan comes together. So different
0: between a three and a one. Go ahead.
1: But yeah, and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, and the three, when I did my scoring is my second highest mm. okay. score. Mm-hmm. And so parts of like, I very much, I empathize real hard with a three, right. but yeah, I think that key difference, though, is it's not it's not the achieving that is the part that's so important right. to me. Um, and as a business owner, that gets me in trouble sometimes. Where it's like you know, I probably should care about the money part a little bit more because right. it's really important to sure. keep the business going. But that that idea of Creating or helping be a part of something that is inherently bigger and better right. than wherever we are, mm-hmm. and the vision to see that you know you might could in some part contribute to something bigger and better really just hits me just straight in the gut, right. and I think is the aspect of you know the oneness mm-hmm. that probably kept it going through that first couple of years because if this was just a bakery to me well I would have given up like real quick right? I probably wouldn't have even done it I mean I would have been like that does not Mm -hmm. make sense on paper at all you know because I'm a relatively logical person I'm also a Mm -hmm. typical eldest child like not super risk taker like ooh let's take care of your family and like do Mm -hmm. do all this stuff Um, but yeah when I look back at the last 11 years I think through the really hard stuff and through the not knowing and right. you know, mm-hmm. who likes feeling incompetent at things. Like no one enjoys oh that.
0: Yeah. It's sort one of um, my struggles. Mm-hmm.
1: That sense of the ideal and the mission, I think is just the, the driver that keeps it going. So that was just an aha. Reading right. that about a one, I was just like, that's me. Like that's my story. Yeah. That's my story with the business. That's my story. Looking forward in the business is this constant, mm-hmm. like, How how do we make something really really special that's not just checking something off of a to do list, but really making something better than it is today?
0: Yeah, and better for people. Yeah, experience. Yeah, like it's
1: yeah that we can share, and like other people can Mm -hmm. be like, oh yes, like this is my place. Yeah, Um, and you're not. Obviously, it's important that the food be good, but like not just because the food is good, right? Which the food is bad?
0: so good. It really. Is. It is so like so good. Oh my goodness.
1: I um, keep waiting to get sick. I'm just gonna like interject that Go like, do I it. I feel like. Do it. Growing up, you know, everybody we, like had retail jobs and food jobs, and people being like, "Oh, once you've worked in a place with food for like a month, you're sick of everything." Mm-hmm. I am still waiting. I was like, "This will cure my." If nothing else, this will cure my sweet tooth, right? <laughs> because I'll just get sick of it, and it is a dozen years later, and I'm just like. Oh, hell yeah. I want those chocolate
0: chip cookies. Yes. So there's, there's, there's only two places I go because I've tried to cut sugar out of my dad. It doesn't work too well. Um, there's two places I go. So when I release an episode and I have like, um, like I hit like a new goal or a new um, amount of people, I come to Muddies to get,
1: to celebrate. Yes. This oh is where I gosh. come. Yeah.
0: And so whenever I get like, ooh, a new high. I'm going out to celebrate. So that's how I mean, like I might buy like quite a few at that one time. I may super celebrate, but um, that's what I do. I come here. Like if I'm going to get like a sugar or you know fix, or, like has some sugar, like sweet, like some amazing celebrate. I come to Muddies.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, so what you just said, I feel like embodies exactly what we're mm-hmm. trying in many ways to do. Right. Um, so even just talking about like selling style, like that's great that you're trying to reduce your sugar intake. Right. Um, I'm an Episcopalian. So it's like, Ooh, moderation. Well, just in everything, do everything, mm-hmm. do everything, just do it in moderation. Right. right. <laughs> and, you know, thinking about like the product, like, I don't want this to be a product that you're just like, Oh, just slam some stuff mm-hmm. every single day. And like, right. Oh, it's just like, no, this isn't your breakfast. you like, this is, this is an indulgence. And, It needs to be worth it when you hit this big thing that's important to you that you're going to come in and say, "Oh, this is my splurge." Mm -hmm. Then, man, that bite better be so delicious that is equivalent with Mm -hmm. the thing that you're celebrating. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Pucker up.
1: Yes. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: One of my favorites. Oh
0: my goodness. Big
1: citrus fan.
0: Oh yes. Okay. Oh all right. God. I'm going to keep going. Right. Oh my goodness. That's all I want. I knew at. I
1: liked you. Oh my yeah. goodness.
0: Yes. Um, so what would you say is people misunderstand about ones the most?
1: I kind of think that maybe the biggest misunderstanding, I always am a little bit worried that the people around me think that I'm criticizing them mm. as harshly as I'm criticizing me or what I'm working on. So I've really worked for a few years on trying to be a little more deliberate with how I criticize myself out loud in front of others. Again, because it'd be so easy for them to think like, oh God, is that
0: how she, how she me? talks about me?
1: Like, <laughs> And I'm sure in a lot of ways we've all been there where it's just like, yeah, you would never ever say to an employee what you say to yourself. Right. But um, I do think that that's probably a misunderstanding. and you know, kind of getting back to that, wanting, you know, the ideal and wanting things to be better and the mission driven. I think a common misunderstanding could be that as passionate as I am about that and as much as I want that to be better, I would never want somebody to feel like I'm not celebrating them. Like I'm not expecting them to have the same, the same drive I have or care as much as Mm -hmm. I do about the thing I care about. Like I'm sure they care about their own things. Um, But I do think that that's something... I know myself as a one, like I can probably get really focused and driven on the better on my thing. And I just think it's easy for people to see that and assume that that's about them or about everything else. Um, And yeah, it's really not about being hypercritical of others. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I want to be better.
0: Yeah, I think that's no. I think you hit the nail on the head. That's perfect, and I think um, that's a huge misunderstanding people have with ones. I think also at times when ones aren't healthy, it can be they they yes. right, right. It can oh, yes yeah 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 <laughs> it, it can be where it is judgmental, but when they're healthy, um, and a lot of times it's not necessarily directed at you or that person. It's more ones things to be better, and they're mm-hmm. not trying to make anyone feel right like, in a bad way and i know that like that is one thing yep. one's definitely don't want like it hurts them to hurt someone else like truly you know it's like yep. oh my goodness i hurt someone um
1: right that like messes up the utopia that we're trying to build in the first mm-hmm. place <laughs> yes
0: does the exact opposite so i yes i understand so um, ones go to um seven in growth the upside of sevens where they're a little bit more relaxed they're way more fun um and just a host of things that are like jive and like fun so what are some things um or when do you see yourself going towards a seven and using some of the sevenness leaning into that healthy sevenness
1: i think having a bakery yes i mean in the first place okay
0: so when i first like it's so fun (laughs) so i come back here like the whole place is decorated in such like a fun unique Mm -hmm. way it's like warm but it's like a warm energy in a sense like i can't even describe it but it's just like I, i feel I feel like my mind's clear, but I'm warm and I feel like comfortable at the same time. So
1: yes, and I think this is so funny. When, gosh, I was in college and I had no idea what I wanted to do after college. And you know, you get to that point where it's just like you're. If you're anywhere near graduation, any adult in your life is like, "Oh, what are you gonna do?" And you're just like, "Ah." I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) We'll catch up later. Uh, (laughs) Seriously. Um, Anything to avoid that conversation. But I remember I sent out an email to just a bunch of people that I felt like, like some friends and family, like these are the people who know me well. Right. And I asked the question, like when you close your eyes and envision me in any sort of career, Mm -hmm. what am I doing? (laughs) Help. Cool. And what was fascinating was I got most of the responses were something like a little bookshop, a little gift shop, a little bakery, a little food. So there was a lot around little, <laughs> like, okay, small business and some sort of like personal right. hospitality kind of things. Hmm. Um which I Im- immediately ignored because I was like, oh, clearly all my friends want me to be poor. Thanks a lot, y'all. And so then proceeded to ignore all of the advice. But what stood out was then there were a couple of outliers that was like attorney, mm. So the other end of the spectrum. Right. And looking back and like looking through the lens of the Enneagram stuff and what I've learned, I really think ultimately I made the right call. I could and I feel like I'm going to offend just a ton of attorneys right now and that is not my intention <laughs> but I think with some patience that could be something like some of my skills and motivations could certainly latch onto that yes and do that
0: I agree yes 100% I 100% and agree with you 100%
1: I think I wouldn't like I could probably live out some of my one nest like man in the system and like Mm-hmm. Fighting for some justice with the law, building that better future for yep. everybody. I mean, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. However, I think that would have been so much harder for me to pull in the mm-hmm. parts, so like the sevenness that I need in order to stay kind of balanced. Wow. So I think it's been the greatest luck in the world that... I picked a product that by definition has to remind me to like, okay, chill out a little bit. Wow. You're ta- you're starting to take it way too seriously, or you're starting to get into a place where like you're anxious about training or hiring or all the things that are part of running a business. Mm-hmm. The very nature of our brand and the product pulls me back mm-hmm. and is like, even if just for the customer's sake in this moment, you need to have a little fun. Right. You need to sprinkle some cupcakes right now. <laughs> Even if right now there's a million other things going on and I kind of just need to do it for a show. Right. The fact that that's there, mm-hmm. it's just like the greatest gift in the whole world to me to not go full on martyr one. Right. Where it's just like a bundle of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And... Like, why aren't we at this ideal thing right. yet? Oh. So, yeah, I think, I think the muddies is my seven.
0: Oh, yes. the outward
1: facing part of muddies yes, is no, my seven. That.
0: No, yeah. I, I love that. No, I love that. I love everything you just said. I completely agree and love it because, like, like you said, understanding that going the route of being here as a manager it has stretched you in a whole lot of different ways, and mm-hmm. what you want to present to customers constantly pulls you to be not exactly so hard into the one, but into the seven is because it's hospitality as well. You know, it's customer service. It's,
1: it forces the focus on other people Mm -hmm. and like reminds you that like, Oh yeah, other people can see your face right now. Like, Get right. the badger face out of here. Right. Like, come on. Whereas an attorney,
0: you know, the badger face would have been welcomed almost. Right. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, she's got the badger face. She's, right. she's on point. She's serious right now. And I don't think it would have helped you grow as much as you've grown. Like, hearing you speak as a one is, like, incredible. Yeah. Um, because there's so much growth work that has been done.
1: Yay.
0: Like, it's, I'm serious. Like, it's it's absolutely amazing. I'm super excited about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: looking back, I'm, like, really, it's, like, between the Enneagram stuff and I've done, like, the Myers-Briggs as well Um, I'm recognizing like yeah if I were a really healthy person I guess in every other way maybe Mm -hmm. I could manage to do the attorney piece but as an introverted one like, boy do I need this particular outlet to force me Mm -hmm. like I can't just retreat into the introverted idealism I've got to get out with like the real people and the best (laughs) sometimes <laughs> oh my goodness
0: yes yes if you had one piece of advice for Enneagram 1s or type 1s what would you say to them wow one piece of advice
1: well okay we kind of have been talking about it but I would say have fun mm like put that on the list right. of stuff and don't forget it. Cause I think a lot of the stuff that we end up striving for, we are striving for because either it started out as fun or something like that. But I think that sometimes there's a, a guilt maybe around that. Like it shouldn't be fun. If it's really meaningful and it's really important, right. then like it'll feel really serious and weighty and important. And it can be really easy to take on way too much and, you know, feel so weighed down by, you know, stuff that honestly, like, no one else even put on you. Like, you know, it's like you, you picked that up. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, the world does need you to pull that. It is important. So I don't want to minimize, like, I think most of us, like, we pick something up and we pick up that mission because it's important right so don't put it down but intentionally inject a little bit of lightness and find the parts of it that are fun for you mm-hmm. and this is the thing that you know i started out i'm in a small business roundtable and it was so lovely our first in-person meeting of the year this year uh the woman who was hosting we take turns hosting And she had us all kind of set an intention for the year. And it was so great because she actually pushed me a little bit. Because I think mine, I, like, first of all, set three. Mm -hmm. Which is, of course, like, way overreaching. And all of them were about, you know, how I wanted to, like, do better, be better, whatever. And my lovely friend Sharon just gently pushed a little bit. And was just like, well, first of all, you're supposed to do one. So, <laughs> like, don't do threes, do one. But kind of held up the mirror a little bit. And so I changed mine. And wow. I'm like, you know what? I don't need anything to do. I don't need that on a list. Like, any of those things to be better, do better, mm-hmm. I don't need on a list because I'm going to do it anyway. True. But have fun yeah, that's the part that's super important that I will completely forget if I'm not paying attention to it on purpose. So yeah, I would say fellow ones, just keep your mission and keep your drive and idealism, but remember to have fun.
0: Yeah. So I think that's perfect. (laughs) My, um, my clients who are ones, one thing I encourage them to do is to plan a silly day or, um, like even if it's, like, every two weeks or every week or how many they can, like, kind of get in, but just a silly day or a silly amount of hours. Just to, like, something just to go have fun. Like, you know, because the mission is, you know, very mission-focused, like you said, but adding in that fun, injecting that fun into what they do and that silliness, it just makes the whole world just so much better. If it's like, oh, my goodness, okay, I was missing out. And, like, it's so much, and you can impact so many people with even in the silliness. I find ones when they are... Um, um, being silly and having fun they're clever like i feel like their humor is super clever like whatever they say it's like this really just clever type of humor and i find it extremely funny extremely oh. funny all right um oh my goodness um we we'll had have this to yes we had to do like another interview too or something oh my goodness um when to do like enneagram and business or something like that
1: yeah yeah
0: perfect uh, okay um so before we wrap up, can you um, let the audience know how they can find Muddy's and all the wonderful, tastiest treats in the world?
1: Yes. So, of course, visit our website, muddysbakeshop.com. That's M U D D Y S B A K E S H O pcom um, You can find our addresses. But we have a store in Midtown. And a store in East Memphis. So that one's the original one, the wee little shop in the shopping center. And occasionally you can visit our kitchen on Broad Avenue. In fact, I highly recommend that one. If you can come take a kitchen tour, we post those on our website as well. But, you know, as someone who is a maker and values the full spectrum of the process and really going deep, um, it's a great opportunity to come in and actually see us at work and mm. learn a little bit about the behind the scenes. Uh, so check us out there. And of course we have, you know, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, learning how to use Instagram stories. And it's, yeah, no, it's like watching a 90 year old woman learn how to use a phone. I mean, it, oh, but it's, it's fun. And boy, I, is it like,
0: it's so what is this much and they keep adding features. Yeah. I, I'm also in it. I'm in the same boat learning Instagram and like,
1: I'm an analog kind of gal for the most part. So this has been a, a fun, a fun journey. So I'm sure if you want to see some like Insta, there've definitely been a few things where it's like, Oh, that posted. Right. Ha-ha, <laughs> I guess that's out there. Like, um, so yeah, if you're into Instagram boopers, come and check us out at buddy's big shop.
0: <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Um,
1: yes, thank you for
0: allowing me time to interview. This is great. This is absolutely great. Yes. I'm super excited. So that's all I have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share. That is Rate, which helps others find the show. Subscribe, you get the latest and greatest episodes, and share if you feel this information can benefit someone you know. Uh, if you need personal life coaching or career coaching that is around the Enneagram, I do that, and you can go to kaizencareers.com. That's kaizencareers.com. K-A-I- Z-E-N-C-A-R-E-E-R-S dot com, or contact me at Milton at KaisenCareers.com, and that number is 901-334-1644 also if you would like to be a patron supporter uh like shay and the different patron supporters i have you can go to patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram the patron community has more uh access to exclusive content merchandise and input on the podcast and if you're in the memphis area uh, I'm developing a community around the Enneagram and it's called Enneagram 901. You can sign up on the Facebook page and we're going to start having different events because I definitely want to build a community around the Enneagram and help a lot of different people. Uh, so thank you so much for listening and if you're a one and you're letting that inner critic start to take over like Brenda, make sure you put her in the side seat and do it for the gram. The Enneagram, of course. See you soon. Cool. Oh, thank you.